Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. says so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them today I want to talk to you church from Genesis as we continue this series in the book of Genesis that you have an identity and your identity is in him sons and daughters of God children of the most high God he made you he fashioned you he created you he sees you he won't leave abandon you. So as you're seated this morning in this place, tell your neighbor, he sees you. Tell him. Say, he sees you. He sees you. And you can be seated today, church. Come on, give it up for the worship team for taking us in today. Because he won't. He won't. Alright, I'm done. You guys can go. So, I gotta make a couple quick announcements. First of all, uh, we're having a lot more people at the 1015 right now, and uh, we're having issues with kids' numbers, so we had to turn away um, some parents. I know some of you got your kids in here. I'm sorry. Um, so here's the solution. Number one, there's room for kids in the 8.30 or the 12 o'clock, all right? So I know it's hard. It's summer. Kids don't want to wake up. I get it. Uh, this is the prime number, so um, the prime service time. So you could go to the early or the later. Um, or um, one of the reasons we're having to turn parents away or turn kids away is because we just need more kids workers. So maybe you'd be interested in helping out once a month. Um, that would make a huge difference because the ratio is an issue right now. And so that's why we had to turn away some kids today and last week. So two weeks in a row. So I just want to tell you, like, it's, it's a problem, but these are good problems because they're growth problems. And we're in the middle of July. You're not supposed to grow as a church in July. But come on, God's doing something at Project Church. So, but parents, I do feel bad for you. <laughs> because I got kids too. I just get here early and so they're all already in. But, um, but hey, we, uh, we love you. And uh, if maybe you wanna jump in and serve with the kids, that'd be great. Um, or if you wanna come to one of the other services, that would help too. So, all right, let's jump in here today. We are continuing the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter two. Can you get this turned off for me? Thank you. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, I'm going to be reading there here in a moment, verse 24 through 31. Um, my name is Caleb. If you're new, Christy and I um, are the lead pastors here at Project Church. So thankful and grateful to be leading this church that is coming up in January on 10 years as a church. Can you believe it? A decade. Yes, God is good, faithful, and it's been the joy of our lives to pastor this church for the last 10 years almost. But um, I want to talk to you today about identity. Title of my message is Identity Crisis. Everybody say identity. I believe we are in a moment of crisis as it relates to identity in our culture and even in the church. But I want to start by uh, telling you a story real quick. Uh, I played at a small Christian college basketball. I've talked to you about it before. Not a big deal. We did win two national championships, though, but it, it wasn't a big deal. Small school. Uh, and 
my freshman year, we played in this jamboree. Now, if you don't know, at the start of every uh, year, you play in jamborees, and basically you play multiple games in a day. They're just shorter games. And we were playing against some of the biggest junior colleges in Missouri. They were all D1 recruits that had uh, grade issues mostly, and so they didn't get into the D1 schools. So they're trying to get their grades up at the junior colleges so that then they can get to a D1 college. And so we're playing against some of the best athletes, players, and we're a small Christian college and we are just getting rocked, right? We're getting crushed, we're getting you know, humiliated. And, uh, but I had a good jamboree, I'm a freshman. I come in and, and I had a really good f- few games that, that Saturday, like three games in a row, I played well. And so we're in Missouri, mostly our team was white. I think we had 10 white guys and one black guy on our team. And then our coaches were all white and we had one black assistant coach. And after the jamboree, he came to me and he said, Caleb, what are you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what are you, bro? And I'm like, I don't don't know what you're asking me. And he said, what ethnicity are you? I said, bro, I'm white. And he said, nah. He's like, you don't play like a white boy. You got something else in you. And to this day, it's the greatest compliment I've ever received. (laughs) What every white boy wants to hear, you don't play like a white boy. Come on, somebody. And so I was blessed by that. I was blessed in that moment. Um, But it got me thinking today, it's funny, but as human beings, you know, we want to identify with certain things. And I was thinking about it, you know, he said that to me, no, you got something else in you. And so followers of Christ in this place, I want to just remind you that you may be in this world, but you're not of this world. You may be in this culture, but you're not called to be of this culture. Why? Because you have something else in you. The spirit of the living God is in you. And so we should look different, think different, talk different, act different. We should feel different. And I think that we've lost track as Christians, even of our identity. We're in an identity crisis in this culture. We're placing our identity in all the wrong things. And I think that even as you think about culture, um, we're just struggling with even who God made us to be. How God made us. I mean, as men and men in here, we're being told that our masculinity is toxic. Now listen, there is toxic masculinity, but not all masculinity is toxic. And this is what our culture is telling us that there's something wrong with us and how we were made isn't, um, isn't what we were meant to be. And if you feel something different, then follow your feelings, which how many you know, the Bible tells us the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. So I tell you all the time, feel isn't real. Your heart may tell you one thing, but it's not often from God, especially if it doesn't align with his word. And so I'm here to remind you that in a culture having an identity crisis, that we must root ourselves in the word of God, which is why as a church, we love teaching through books of the Bible. Because when I go through books of the Bible, I can't run from any topic. Because we have taught through the book of Mark, verse by verse for three years, I taught on things I never otherwise would have taught on. 
Because we're walking through the book of Genesis now. We're going to teach on things that I never otherwise would have spoken on. And so today, I want to talk to you about your identity, the identity crisis that I think we are in. Let me read Genesis 1, 24 through 28. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made, everybody say God made. The beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth and God said behold I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food Jesus I pray that you would speak to us from your word here in the beginning God we want to hear from you we want to be challenged by you we want to be changed by you so God speak to us today in your name we pray amen so can I just be honest with you? Project Church will always be serious about the Word of God. Like we're always going to be serious about this, about teaching through this, about allowing our worldview to be shaped by this. And I think that the reason we're wrestling with our identity right now, even as Christians in this culture, is because the Word is not shaping us, because we spend more time on this than we do on this. We say, oh, we want to follow God, and yet we are influenced more by social media, by blogs, by articles, by podcasts that have nothing to do with God, and they are shaping our worldview, and we're not allowing the Word of God to shape our worldview. And so even last week, as I shared, um, I had some people that, that disagreed with my perspective, and that's okay. I told you last week, you don't have to agree with everything I say. I just encourage you to go to the Word and say, God, what is your word telling me? And I think today, some of you are going to disagree with some of what I said. And I just tell you, go to the word. But when people come to me and they tell me they disagree with me, I tell them, well, what do you disagree with and show me in the word? And that's what has to be our foundation. Don't show me a blog you read or, or an Instagram post that you saw. Don't show me what you heard on, on uh, Fox News or, or CNN. Tell me what the word is, is saying to us and we can debate it because let's be real. While we will have unity under the major things of this word, the reason there's thousands of denominations within Christianity is because we don't always agree on everything in this. And that's why we have to be okay with the hard conversations. And that's why we have to be okay to dig into this and say, well, what is God really saying here? But I wanted to encourage you today by acknowledging, and we must acknowledge rightly, that we are created beings and not the creator. And this should actually bring you some freedom, okay? There's some freedom that comes with the reality that you are a created being, you are not the creator. 
Because what that means is that you are meant to and created to submit under the creator. That he knows better than you know. That he sees different than you see. That he has a perspective that you could never have because he's outside of time, outside of, of, of the plane of existence that we live on. He sees it all. And so this should free you up to recognize that, look, I'm a created being. I'm not the creator. And yet when I think about Christians and I think about this culture and I think about the identity crisis that we're in and our struggle with identity right now, I have to remind you today, church, that we will continue to have an identity crisis until we place our identity in Christ. And I think that there are Christians whose identity is in how successful they are, how far they've, and quickly they've moved up the proverbial ladder. It's in how well they've done in their business, how many followers they have on social media, the influence or the fame that they might have. It's in all these peripheral things, but it's not in their relationship with Christ. And so today I want to help us understand our identity by allowing us and, and looking at the understanding of our relationships. Because in order to understand our identity, we must begin to understand our relationships. So let's talk first about our relationship with creation and nature. Relationship with creation and nature. And I'm just gonna be honest with you today that, that I'm probably gonna trigger you, uh, uh, some people in this place, probably all of you at some point, because let's be real, the Bible does not align with partisan politics. And the problem is in the church, we've aligned ourselves so closely with one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle. And then when a pastor gets up and is preaching from the word and it contradicts what our party says, we have a hard time with it. But I'm telling you right now that the word will never align fully with the right or the left. It just can't because the right has an agenda and the left has an agenda, but the Lamb of God has a different agenda. And today I want to tell you that we must align ourselves with the Lamb of God and his agenda for this life, for our purpose, for our call within this world. So what does Genesis 1, 24 through 31 tell us? It tells us that we are caretakers that we have been placed on this earth, we've been given a charge. God told Adam and Eve, he said, have dominion over the earth, over the land, over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over the, the livestock. He, he actually gave them the, the challenge to name them. He says, keep it and work it within the garden. He's given us the job of caretaking and being caretakers of this earth. And I was thinking about it because uh, I grew up, um, you know, in a different era than some of you. And, uh, and I remember, you know, when they taught us in science on the dodo birds. Anybody remember about the dodo birds? You ever been taught on the dodo birds? Okay, you don't know. Only a couple people in here. Praise God. All right. So here's what happened. The dodo birds went extinct. Why did they go extinct? Because they were the dumbest of all animals. They couldn't fly. They weren't fast. And they say they were very unintelligent. And so the dodo birds became a very easy snack. Very easy snack. And so wolves would eat them, lions would eat them, hyenas would eat them, right? The animals, the animal kingdom was like, ooh, easy food, easy snack. And they begin to eat them and wipe out the entire dodo bird population. Well, let's be real. When it got down to a few dodo birds left, 
Do you think that the lions or the hyenas or the wolves are going, you know what? If we eat these last few, there won't be any left and they'll actually go extinct. So we should probably make a green space, a safe space for them to roam and repopulate their, their numbers and the dodo bird population. So then we don't affect the ecosystem negatively and we have more of these to eat in the future. So let's just set those aside. Do you think the lions or the hyenas or the wolves did that? No, they said easy snack. What does my nature tell me? I'm hungry, eat, kill, hunt. Why? Because creation and nature is different than creation of you and me. Because what God created in all these other settings is different than when God created you. And I can illustrate this no better than by looking at the progression in Genesis 1. It says, throughout Genesis 1, the creation account says, God made the fish and the sea. God made the heavens, the earth. God made the livestock and the animals. God made, God made, God made. And it go, just goes through. It, it's this rhythm. God made, God made. He saw that it was good. God made, God made. Then he gets to man. And what does it say? I read it. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So the language shifts from God made, God made, God made to let us make man in our image. So you, as a created being, are different than all the rest of creation. Why? Because us being the, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which we see in Scripture that he was there from the beginning. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Next week, come back. Chris, he's preaching on, in the beginning was Jesus. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1, 2, and God was there with them. So the triune God has a conversation with himself and says, let us... Make man in our image. The word uses the imago Dei. What is the imago Dei? The image of God. You are unique in all of creation, church. Yeah. This should encourage you today. Yeah. That you are unique in all of creation, and yet, let me go back, the relationship with creation and nature that we're meant to have, you are caretakers of this world. So I know we, we don't talk about this a lot, and it's maybe not the most popular, but can I just tell you right now, can I encourage you that as followers of Christ, we should care about this earth. We should care about pollution. We should care uh, about fast fashion, thank you H&M, and that you can wear something two times and you wash it and then it's ruined and you throw it in, in the, the dumpster and it adds to more pollution. More garbage. We should care. Now the point to which you care, that's up to you. It's between you and God. For me, I care enough to recycle and I care enough to buy secondhand because I love me some thrift stores and I'm trying to just honor God and be a good caretaker of what he gave me. That's how much I care. Some of you care more. Listen, that's between you and God. But I, what I am saying is you're supposed to care because you are a caretaker. We were meant to care about this creation, this nature, be good stewards, just as the wolves, they, they didn't protect the dodo birds. Like, nah, let's eat them. We should think differently than that. 
We go, no, let's create a space. Let's protect them. Let, let's make an environment so they can get their numbers back and th flourish and thrive. And I don't know, we don't talk about this in the church. And, and again, some of you are getting triggered. You're like, I don't know, partisan politics. I don't know if I agree with that. But this is part of our Imago Dei. It's part of our call. It's what we were made for, created for. Your relationship with creation and nature matters. We have a responsibility to live responsibly within creation. Can I just encourage you that we would be a church that says, hey, let's steward and care for creation. Let's steward it. We don't even think about it, but let's do it. I got an app that tells me um, about all the different companies and businesses and the, 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 the footprint they leave behind. And so I try to buy from companies that leave less of a footprint. It's, a, it's small, it's simple. Do I have to spend a little more money sometimes? Yes, but that's part of my conviction. So I would just say to you, ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What can I do to better care for the creation that God has given us? So first, to understand our identity, we have to understand our relationships. First, our relationship with creation slash nature. You are different than creation though. You heard me, right? The second relationship is your relationship with each other. Can I tell you something? There is an intuitive value given to all image bearers, to all of humanity. We know that putting our dog down is different than when grandma gets really old and has Alzheimer's and her health is failing. It's a different experience. Why? Because there's something different about grandma than there is about Rex. Now, I know you all love Rex. You love your dogs. And I'm not against that. But I'm saying the image bears that we are as human beings is different than the rest of creation. We matter more. We matter to God more. And thus, we should matter to one another more. Do you hear me, church? That's why I shared what I shared last week. I want the word of God to shape us that we recognize the Imago Dei in all of humanity. So let me share a quote with you by Frederick Nietzsche. He wasn't high on Christianity, 19th century philosopher, German philosopher. He's the one who said God is dead. So not big on Christianity, but he did love Jesus. He loved Jesus' teaching he just wasn't cool with the whole resurrection piece. He thought he was a powerful teacher, great teacher, had a lot of great perspectives, but didn't believe he was God. Here's what he said. Another Christian concept, but one no less crazy, is the concept of equality of souls before God. This concept furnished the prototype of all theories of equal rights. So I want you to leave this up here. Christianity gets a bad rap, especially in today's culture, as it relates to rights and equal rights and the rights of humanity. What Nietzsche was saying was that Judeo-Christian values are the foundation of equal rights in this world. That the Bible actually gave us and gave us the perspective of equal rights that is still leading us today. 
What was the sins of our forefathers in this country? It was slavery. But what changed that? What changed that were Christians who began to speak of the Imago Dei. In fact, the only dissenting Supreme Court justice back in like the 1800s who dissented against slavery, he said that they are, all people are image bearers. The Imago Dei, he dissented against the rest of the Supreme Court who said that slavery was still legal. What gave him that perspective, his Judeo-Christian values? Why am I sharing this with you? Why are we where we are as humanity, even as Christians? Why does it feel like everyone's losing their minds right now? Can I tell you why? Because we want the kingdom without the king. You see, equal rights are a good thing. Equal rights are a Judeo-Christian thing. Equal rights are a biblical perspective. The problem is when you allow that to be your guidepost, but the King Jesus is not on the throne, then it's very easy to distort. And before you know it, in advocating for equal rights, you've actually pushed the envelope the other way. And now certain people's rights are valued more over others. Anywhere the Imago Dei is abused or taken advantage of, we should have an issue, church. Do you hear me? Our relationship with each other is what I'm talking about. In order for you to know your identity, you have to know your relationship with one another, with each other. If there is an abuse of the Imago Dei, we should be bothered. If, it is, if someone is being taken advantage of, we should have issue. Why? Because all human beings are made in his image and in so doing deserve dignity, protection, equality. It's why we care about racism and racial profiling. It's why we care about rights being for all people. It's why we care about the people on the street living in tents. Why? Because they are image bearers. They carry the Imago Dei. It's why we care about pornography. If the statistics are right, 50% of you will view pornography this week. And we would say, well, that's not a big deal. I mean, yeah, I know biblically I'm lusting, so, but, but it, it's not hurting anyone. Can I tell you something? It's proliferating the abuse that goes beyond pornography and goes to strip joints and prostitution and massage parlors. It goes further than that. And it proliferates the pain. You know, for someone to get to that place of prostitution, a strip joint, they had to have gone through some sense or some moment of trauma in their life, possibly intense trauma. So why should we care? Because we are abusing the Imago Dei whenever we look at pornography. We are abusing the uh, Imago Dei whenever we, we engage in prostitution. We are abusing the Imago Dei whenever we go to a strip joint. We are abusing the Imago Dei and we don't even talk about it. In fact, in the church, we just say, don't look at porn because lust. No, don't look at porn because you're abusing the Imago Dei of that person that you're sexualizing based on what you see. And they are an image bearer of God. Let me tell you, if every time you're tempted to look at pornography, you go, this woman is an image bearer of God, it might change your perspective, men and ladies in the room. 
I could take it even further because I know in a room like this, a lot of you are dating, relating, fornicating, all of that, that we are having sex outside of marriage and think it's no big deal. Can I tell you? The Bible tells us that that was meant to be within the covenant of marriage. It was meant to be something between a man and a woman. And so you are actually abusing one another and the imago Dei of one another by engaging in that act. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to encourage you and call you to a higher standard. Why? Because church, we have an identity. And our identity is that we are image bearers of the creator God. So how can we not advocate for and protect the image bearers around us? The other sons and daughters of God around us. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is by nature of their humanity worthy of dignity, compassion, and hope. Parents in this room, you have the opportunity to speak life into image bearers in your home. And how many of you know that life and death are in the power of the tongue, the word tells us. And I wonder if we are speaking life into the very image bearers that live under our roof, under our rules, and even bear our own image. I got little mini-me's running around my house. So speak life into the image bearers around you. Why does our relationship with each other matter? It matters because our identity in God was meant to protect the identity in others. That you would advocate for, protect, go to battle and war for the identity that this world is wrestling with. That we would speak words of life words of grace, words of encouragement, words of love in a culture saying everything else but. So in order for us to understand our identity, we have to understand our relationships first with creation, nature, second with each other, but finally, and if the keys would come back, our relationship with God. I said it over and over, the Imago Dei, the image of God, we have been made unique in all of creation. This means we are different than and of greater value than anything else in creation. This week, uh, we went glamping. I don't camp, but I'm down to glamp, church. Come on, somebody. And so we went glamping, and we went with some, there was a handful of people from this church that actually went with us and had a great time. But uh, Heidi, our kids' director, who's here on the front row, she brought her dog. Chase, our sound man extraordinaire in the back. Him and Stacy, they brought their dog. And uh, they brought Scooter and Zoe. That's how much time we spent with each other. I even know their dog's names now. And after the first night, they were all complaining about how they didn't sleep well because their dogs were tripping. So much activity, nature, there's skunks out around our camp, 
all kinds of animals. And they're like, man, the dogs wouldn't go to sleep. They were tripping there. I didn't sleep well. I was like, I don't feel sorry for you at all. You chose to bring that dog. I did not feel sorry for them one bit. But the next day we got together with everyone that was there with us and we sought God. We began to pray. Chrissy pulled out the guitar, we worshiped. We partook in communion, the bread and the cup, partook in communion together, why? To go to God and to build greater relationship with our creator. Can I tell you something? Scooter and Zoe, they did not wake up that day seeking God's face. They did not that night be like, oh, communion. Yeah, let's just cry out to God and give thanks for his body and his blood that was sacrificed for us. They didn't, why? Because they're different than you and me. They don't have the same value nor the same identity. They do not bear the image of the creator God but you do. Now don't, don't get it twisted, y'all. Dogs will go to heaven, okay? So God bless you. We'll see them up there one day. But they're not the same, church, as you. They're not the same as me. We can seek the Lord and the Lord can seek us. And so I wanted to remind you of this because I think the reason we're wrestling with our identity right now in this moment, in this culture, in this day, in your life, is because we have not prioritized seeking the person of Jesus Christ in our life. We have not prioritized seeking the presence of God in our life. And can I tell you something? Being here on a Sunday morning is a great start. Because every Sunday somebody comes in here and, and, and as they're leaving, they're like, I don't know what's going on. I just cried the whole entire time. And I tell them it's because the presence of God is in this place. The spirit of God is in this place. And when you encounter the spirit of God, he begins to move you. And they're not tears of, of pain or hurt. They're tears of joy, knowing that God is real. And he's touching your heart and he's touching your mind and he's touching your life. And I want to tell you right now, I want to remind you that as sons and daughters, we must want to spend time with our Father. I love my children, but can I tell you when they want nothing to do with me, it doesn't feel great. When they're too busy on their iPads, playing video games, I miss them. And so I have to remind them like, no, I need your attention. No, I need your time. I need your heart. I need you to tell me what you're going through. I need to talk to you to talk to me about your day, about your school. I need you to share more uh, about your life. And that's what God wants from you. And we wonder why do I feel like I have no identity or I feel like my identity is lacking. It's because we've placed our identity in all these peripheral things, how successful we are, how big of a business we've built, if we're married or not, how many children we have. We've placed it in all these things. And at the end of the day, your identity must be rooted in the fact that you are a son, you are a daughter of the most high God. And when you get connected, 
connected to him, when you contend for him, when you, when you press in to communicating with him and connecting with him, let me tell you something, he fills you up. And you can walk confidently, even when the world around you may be falling apart. You know who you are. You know whose you are. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race. Everybody say, I'm chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has chosen you, placed his fingerprint upon you. He put his image on you. He fashioned you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. You've been chosen for a time such as this. And when you recognize that, you can walk in the confidence of the identity that's placed in him and him alone. John 1 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, today, I believe the gospel was meant to be proclaimed in the middle of Genesis 1 and to remind you that if you just receive him, if you just believe in him, he makes you and, and declares over you that you are my children. And so today, I know that there's someone in this room that's been running from God. You've placed your identity in all the things you're doing. You've placed your identity in how successful you are. But today, God wanted to remind you, just receive me. Just believe in me. Allow me to fill you up, press into me, and watch what I can do in you and through you. You see, your relationship with him matters most. And I said it at the beginning. Continue to have an identity crisis until we place our identity in Christ. And today, I think there's some people that you have not placed your identity fully in him, and today's your day. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? You say, Caleb, I gotta be honest. I've been running from God, turned my back on God. I've placed my identity in all these other things, these peripheral things. I need to come back in the right relationship with Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time. I need to surrender my heart to Jesus fully. And today in this place, you need to receive him for the first time. You need to rededicate yourself. I want you to lift your hand in this place if that's you. One, two, three, go. You need to give your life over. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church. Anybody else? You didn't put it up, but you know God's speaking to you. Put it up. Yes. You can put them down. Church, would you repeat this after me right now? Just say, Jesus, today I need you. I confess my sin, my mistakes, my past. I'm nothing without you. So I want to place my identity in you as a son, as a daughter, the Imago Dei. I'm an image bearer. So today, I receive you, Jesus, with all that I have, with all that I am. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name, amen. Can we stand our feet, church, all across this place? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. If you raise your hand and receive Jesus, I would love for you to come be prayed over. Maybe... You didn't raise your hand to receive Jesus, but God's been speaking to you about your identity. You've placed your identity in, in some things that have left you unfulfilled. And today was a reminder that you need to pray, place your identity in him. 
I would love for you to come forward for prayer. But I want to pray a prayer over us, a prayer of identity, the Imago Dei, recognition in our hearts. So Jesus, today in this place, I speak your identity over your people. God, the world is trying to tell them what to be, who to be, what to pursue, what to chase after. But today you wanted to remind them that they are your children. They are your sons. They are your daughters. They are your image bearers. You know them, you see them, and you place them on this earth for a time such as this. So God, any of us that have placed our identity in the wrong things, in the things of this world, the things that will pass away, the, the things that, that are corroding, God, I ask right now, that you would let us place our identity in you. The author, the finisher of our faith, Jesus, may we press into your presence, press in to who you are and recognize whose we are today. So Lord, we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's sing this song together, church. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be up here. Come on, let's worship together. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.